Listeners, I met our guest today through the intense world that is the online podcasting community. He's the host of the podcast Eye to Eye, and we connected over our performing roots and our shared love of Broadway divas. I am so excited to queen out with him today. Please <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Aaron Holman. Woo! Thanks for having me. I'm did very I, excited. Did I say your name correctly? You did, Aaron Holman. Oh, That's thank right. God. Okay. A plus for <laughs> I was so nervous. Listen, nobody will ever spell it right, but normally it's said right. It's spelled right on the on my notes also. So it's a it's a double win for you today. I know, because you're Z A uh C and yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, technically if you look at my birth certificate, it has an H, but I didn't like <gasps> the H. Oh silent age you know that's a drag name i've come up with before uh sarah with an h like her last name would be an h <laughs> oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> don't they always tell you if it has it or not oh true. it's sarah with an h <laughs> oh it, it's sarah with an i like it's also like what doesn't make what? any sense I know, i've seen some weird spelling so aaron you are the host of another podcast called eye to eye why don't you tell the listeners about that well, um, Eye to Eye is a weekly podcast talk show that I have. Um, it centers around storytelling um, about people's passions, flow, and their creativity. So the topics are wildly different, you know, week to week. But most of the time, I do try to center on LGBT artists. Um, Love that. Yeah. You know, I don't think that our stories are they're not written enough. And you know, the ones that are there, they are to explain our life to straight people. And you know what? I'm over it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, so the next question was, you know, this is a pop culture podcast. So I always wonder what people have been listening to or watching. Um, but oh. I've been watching. Have you seen this new documentary called Disclosure on Netflix? I know of it, but I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's so it's so good in the way that I I thought I was a pretty liberal minded, you know, had a good history of the trans community. I thought I was pretty good. And it really opened my eyes up to uh, even like I like I thought I was pr- I mean, obviously, it's not my experience. I don't try to pretend like I know what the experience is. But I thought I was pretty sensitive to like, oh, yeah, this is probably hard. This is probably hard. There were entire um, discussions about representation in media that I hadn't even thought of. Oh, yeah, it would be hard to see depictions of trans people mostly being murdered. Done by straight men and murdered. Yeah, done by straight men. They're either played by cis actors or actors that... The the weird thing is, a lot of actors, I always assumed on cop shows and stuff, weren't actually transgender actors, I assumed, because they were always these over-the-top cartoons of people. Mm -hmm. And you learn, no, no, a lot of those people are actually transgender performers, but they took the work that they could get, because there just wasn't anything being offered. So I thought, well, at least I'm on TV, at least I'm being expose on a national platform that literally just gave me chills that's in the documentary they go into that oh yeah it's really i really recommend it 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 was really really amazing and they go into how there are a lot more transgender people that did succeed in like modeling or performing that weren't taught to young transgender kids because they only got by by living a stealth existence of 
Like, I found out that one of the women that was in the Cheetah Girls on Disney Channel was played mm-hmm. by a transgender actress, and I had had no idea of this my entire life. Neither so, did I. That's brand yeah, new just, information to me. Wow. Yeah, so you should check it out. It's it's really great. Uh, I mean, it's been blowing up all over the internet, and I mean, every time I'm logging on, I'm seeing somebody saying, like, I'm watching it again, and um, <laughs> oh, I just haven't made the time funny. yet. No. It's great. I've been telling everybody that'll listen to to watch it. You know, touching on uh, transgender, uh, I actually just finished watching season two of Pose because I was oh. waiting for all of it to come out uh, at one time. And um, that show is brilliant. Yes, Ryan oh, Murphy God. has a tendency to go a little off the rails uh, <laughs> at a certain point. He loses his own interest in his show, it would seem. But... Um, <laughs> You know, MJ Rodriguez and Billy Porter, those two, my Lord, I understand why Billy won the Emmy and MJ Rodriguez, uh, she plays uh, Blanca on it. Unbelievable, the acting that that woman can do. Uh, One other thing that I have been watching lately, uh, we were talking about like queer depiction in mainstream media. Um, If you haven't, or if the listeners haven't, watched legendary on hbo that's the one honey oh my god i i do not ask me why i've not watched it yet i was it's so okay. excited to see it um episode one is for free completely on youtube um and then you know there's there's ways of you know there's people who I, well, no, I, even, I even have access to an hbo login so I, I have no excuse to not watch it uh, I heard, I don't know if you can confirm this, mm. is it true that Dominique Jackson from Pose yes. is on an episode? Oh, okay. That uh, she's better. on episode, I think it's like episode maybe four. And oh. you know what is amazing to see her? Uh, what you come to find out is she's not acting as Electra. Like, they <laughs> cast her because she is Electra. So, oh, like, yeah. she gets up in their face, you know. It's awesome. Oh my god! I oh you, okay, you sold me. You sold me. <laughs> Especially Pride Month coming to a close, I've been mm-hmm. trying to just like only watch stories with some sort of a queer angle. Just to I don't know. I feel like I haven't uh, engaged enough in queer uh, narratives during Pride, other than rewatching Pose I, and making I, this podcast. Well, there is this. I've been making <laughs> queer content. Yeah, you're in the history. Yeah, I'm in the history books now. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so my next segment, it's called Your Birth into Pop Culture. Mm-hmm. I ask all my guests to send me their birthday, and I look up pop culture-related facts from their date of birth into this world of pop culture. <laughs> and yours was April 10th, 1990. Oh, 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 you're going to give the year. Okay. Oh, I have yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's I, fine. You know, you're younger than me, so I don't have any sympathy. I'm uh, a sweet baby, yes. <laughs> you, I thought you were younger, if it makes you feel any better. Yeah. Well, so, I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. So the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 was a song I've never heard of. Maybe you'll know what it is. It's called Love Will Lead You Back by Tommy DeWayne. know that <laughs> no I, yeah I, I had no idea who the hell's tommy delane dewayne dewayne oh Delane. um 
I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't help you. Later uh, known as that- Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I don't know. Like, it's I've never bad. heard another Dwayne. <laughs> right. Uh, and the number one movie at the box office was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <gasps> Which one? Was it the original? The original, yeah. The OG oh, original. well, that was huge for me as a kid, that whole oh, series. Same. Oh, yes. Yeah, Secret of the Ooze. I love that That was the one. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, I still have the scene, the opening scene, and I think it's from Secret of the Ooze. The opening scene of it is just New York City, and yeah. all you see is everyone walking around, and every single person's holding a <laughs> giant slice of pizza. <laughs> That's a good movie for to, to have been on my birthday, the, the first I, one. I was jealous. I was jealous. Oh, yeah. That's uh, a good one. So we both have a history of unfinished theater degrees. <laughs> so Ooh, yeah. I had some questions I wanted to ask about your performer life. Yes, please. Uh, what is your favorite show you've ever been in? Uh, my favorite show that I've ever been a part of, I have a couple. Um, I think the one that I'm going to start with, though, would be the one that I have a tattoo from. Because, oh, well, that's I mean, a good I love it a lot. Uh, Spring Awakening would have to oh. be one of my all-time favorite shows and I'll tell you why. It is not that it is necessarily a masterpiece of theater. Um I'm I'm not so foolish as to think that it reinvented theater, but it is enjoyable to me because when it came out I was in that age bracket. So I grew up with the show being a part of my life, being angsty and a teenager. Um and then you know, I got to play the part of Moritz uh, in a, like a, a, a small tour in Tennessee. Um, and it was like a regional production premiere of it. And I got to play my dream part, you know, and uh, yeah, just that show means a lot to me. I, well, I've learned a, a lot. That's pretty that. great. That's pretty. That's like the dream. Mm-hmm. The quote that I, the, the tattoo that I have from that one, it is, uh, it's lyrics from the song. Um, Oh, wow. I haven't listened to the music in so long. Uh, Touch Me. It's lyrics from the song Touch Me. It is the lyrics, consume my wine, consume my mind. The first time I ever heard those lyrics, I was obsessed with those concepts. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's that's how old were you when you got that tattoo? Um, I'm 30 now. And so I had to have been 22, maybe 23. So that's your favorite show. What is the worst show you've been in? Mm, worst show. I am going to throw a couple other just uh, positive ones that I've been in besides Spring Awakening. Oh, sure. Uh, Let's keep I did. I know. I did Beauty and the Beast, um, 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, and Metamorph- oh, who are you? Oh, who were you in Spelling Bee? Chip Tolentino. Uh, oh. I, I, I have that all-American, you know, Boy Scout look. <laughs> or I did, you know, in my early 20s. Um, going back to worst show, though. <sighs> worst show almost made it onto my best show. And oh it's because I love the show, but the experience was the worst. Oh, God. Uh, and that would be Rent. I, I love Rent. And when I, I attended Centenary College of Louisiana, um, where I did not finish my theater degree. And whenever I decided to leave school, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. My first professional job that I got booked was Angel in a production of Rent. 
Now I'm going to give you some tea. Oh, <laughs> all right. all of that. Now here's why it was bad because oh. of our directors. Now oh. uh, I, there are not very many people and I hope you catch this reference. Do you know the original threes company? Ish. Okay. Are, do you know of them? Like, can you yeah. see any of them in your head? Janet. Yeah. Okay. I'm not joking. My director for this production of Rent no. was Joyce DeWitt. Um, no. Yes. And Wait, it was? Like, it was her? Yes, it was Joyce DeWitt. Oh, she I was like, it looked like Joyce DeWitt. Oh, wow. No, 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 no. Wow. It was Joyce DeWitt. Wow. You know, okay. it was wow. Joyce DeWitt. <laughs> That's why it was bad. <laughs> well, but I'm like, but I'm like, oh, cool. Oh, wait, the reason you brought her up. <laughs> yes, the reason I bring Joyce DeWitt up is because, um, listen, I also have to preface all of this by saying this, all of these things took place over a decade ago. I, oh, do, sure. I do not know the development or the trajectory of where this woman has gone since. <laughs> I have kept in touch with her a little bit here and there, you know, um, wishing her well in New York. But <laughs> at the time, Joyce Stewart and this man, I'm not going to say his full name. Um, his first name's Kane. Uh, he was the manager, quote unquote, of a theater company called Nashville Dinner Theater. This was a small company in Nashville, and we were doing the show out of, you know, a very old historic uh, jazz bar. It was really quite amazing, or it was supposed to be. Oh. Um, we get there. We have double casts. We start rehearsing all the music and stuff. Um, it's actually a super small stage. It was very weird to do. Um, and it was also dinner theater. You have to bear that in mind. It was super weird. Um, yeah. The problem... Oh, dinner theater rent? Yes! Oh, oh that's weird. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, listen, because it was Nashville, we did have a lot of talent. Um, in fact, one of the cast members... Um, I'll mention him in a little bit. He was just on a recent episode of Songland, um, writing for Ben Platt. Um, So, like, we we had a lot of talent in our cast, um, but that was not really due to the directing. (laughs) Now, the issue with the directing was they were trying to pander to the oldest audience, you know, the age range that they were in. Which, uh-huh. why are you even going to do rent if you're trying yeah. to, like, appeal to conservatives? Now, instead of, you know, changing what show we do or, you know, just making a different decision, what they decided to try to do was delete, omit pieces from the show. And do you want to no. know which pieces they wanted to admit? The AIDS? <laughs> um, yeah. They wanted to omit. Oh. Uh, they... They wanted to get rid of, and they did. The only thing that ended up happening was they got rid of the song Contact completely. No. Yes. Which is my big song, number one. But uh, you know where uh, we got into a, f- I got into a screaming fight with Joyce DeWitt over the fact that she wanted to get rid of I'll Cover You. Oh, that bitch. And keep the reprise? What the fuck are you doing to the show, ma'am? Well, and at that point, it's like, why are you doing the show? Yeah, why Why are we doing doing Rent? And why are you here directing it? Like, if you're uncomfortable with homosexuality, you know? uh, You know, it was crazy. It was, um, and that was my first professional gig as well. So, you know, I was 
I was thankful to be there, but right. at the same time, it was surreal. Yeah, at the same time, you were in a production of Rent where they wanted to take out the uh, my part, actual yeah, your role. So Which I think is it's okay to a lead role. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Wait. So were they were they trying to edit just the homosexuality? The homosexuality. Yeah. So did they keep and take me or leave me? Um. Yeah. They had no problem with the nice lesbian song. Oh, good grief. Come yeah. On. Just you know, it was. To sum it up, it was tacky. Uh, but so we are here to talk about our favorite Broadway divas. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't really know. I mean, what order to even do this in? I don't know. I guess just we go back and forth with the ones that come to mind. Yeah, and I'm going to start with... Oh, please, yeah. I'm going to start with one that you put on the list um, mm. that I didn't see whenever we were creating the list. Okay. And I was so happy to see her there. Lilius White. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That woman's voice is so good. And and her her acting is incredible. Her choices. Oh, yeah. Uh, her Don't Rain on My Parade is a Ooh, definitive. In that, in that pink dress. In that pink dress. Yes. Oh, man. She and has such I've passion. Never, such passion. I've never liked anyone else on that song other than Barbara Streisand until I heard her do it. And I went, ah, it's because she really broke out of the mold and did it her way you know not an homage at all she said no this is my voice and how it works here you go the lilius white way Well, and that's what I think is the problem with the show Funny Girl and the why it hasn't really been successful since Barbara Streisand is because everyone's kind of doing a semi-impersonation uh, of Streisand, whether mm. they mean to or not. And someone just needs to do it and just do it the, the polar opposite direction and just go for it. Well, okay, so the big one for me, the, my first one that I was truly obsessed with, like had all her albums, everything, was Bernadette Peters. Oh my God, she's she's my favorite. She really is. I, she might still be my favorite. I mean, there are, I have many, many other favorites that have different skills or different strengths. But I, the first thing I saw her in was the the Into the Woods VHS tape when mm-hmm. I was a little a little teen. I remember I was at theater camp and everyone kept talking about Into the Woods, Into the Woods. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And then we finally watched it one day at camp, and I went home that day and I thought. I must look up everything about Bernadette Peters and I must have everything. Now, when Uh, you say camp, what kind of a camp are you talking about? It was like a day camp. It was, uh, we basically in two weeks, we put on a show. Like a theater uh, camp. Yeah. Yeah. We did like a little theater camp. We did Roger and Hammerstein Cinderella. And it's where I met a lot of my uh, high school friends, actually. Because it was the first time I really went into theater. Uh, I was not ready. I was very green and very not good. I remember I was the only boy of my age. I was like 13. I think it might have been even 14. And they thought, and all the girls there had pumped me up all week for auditions. They said, oh my God, you're a boy and this is theater. So you're going to automatically get a lead. And so you're going to have so much fun. And all of my friends got good parts. And I was cast as chef number two in Mm. Cinderella. Mm. I was. (laughs) <laughs> I yeah I understand. It's funny that you mentioned like uh, a theater camp 
because I used to do those too. That was my first introduction into theater. Um, it was a theater company in central Louisiana called Family Playhouse, which is no longer around, unfortunately. Um, but I think the experience was almost exactly the same for me. You know, it was one day where I was at camp, you know, for the day. And yeah, we probably finished doing our rehearsals and we were just waiting to go home or whatever. And so we went into the other room and yeah, somebody had that. I remember two things that we got shown or like two VHS that we watched, um, which was the end of the woods with Bernadette Peters, um, yeah. you know, which I can't even count how many times I've watched. And then the oh, other one yeah. um, that blew my mind at that age as well, which was uh, Moulin Rouge. <gasps> oh, okay. So I have a whole history of Moulin Rouge. That is the movie I've seen the most times in the is theater. Really? I, I saw it seven times in the theater. My, my parents were so annoyed that I kept going to see it. I've told this story before. I'll tell it quickly. Please. But pretty much my dad was like, you can't go see Moulin Rouge again. I said, okay, <laughs> I won't. And I would just trick him into taking me to the theater at the time of another movie, but I would see Moulin Rouge. Uh, I was obsessed, obsessed with that movie. Yeah, it's obsessed. it's absolutely brilliant. You know, even though Nicole Kidman, not necessarily the greatest vocalist, I think she she's was bad either. Yeah, she's not bad. And she was absolutely brilliant in the role. Now, Ewan oh, McGregor has no right oh, to be so good. My God. Oh, and I remember. Oh, I can still remember being a little 13 year old little gay boy watching Moulin Rouge. And when he first sings during, uh, or he, oh, he just sings the um, the Sound of Music at yep. the, like, the very, very beginning. And I just felt my entire like body tingle. And I heard all the girls. The elephant go, Love Medley. Ooh. Oh, and then the Elephant. Oh, and I wore out that soundtrack. Oh, oh my God. Me too. Come what may. I have grown. <laughs> oh my God. Thinking back on it as like a 13, 14 year old little gaby, I can think uh, of, I can remember a very specific time of like spending the night over at, you know, my straight friend's house. And like, I remember getting up in the middle of the night, like putting my headphones in and going on like a moody, reflective walk mm. while listening to Come What May and crying. What the oh hell God. was that all about? Isn't it funny when we think something really connects with our soul and we're a little stupid teen? Yeah, before I'd like, even love. Yeah, what am I crying about? Like, I, for some reason, I thought, oh, wow, her character. I really feel that character. I'm like, really? You connect with a french like a french whore who's dying of tuberculosis yeah that's me i thought oh i feel seen (laughs) she is me okay well so before we leave burnett peters i truly can't leave without thinking the first we'll go into like tony performances later but i do remember the first time i saw her doing gypsy on the tonys and i thought I know people don't like her as like the best Mama Rose, but I thought she, she was is great. the best Mama Rose, and I'll say it. I was actually looking up that stuff last night, you know, and I was looking up at the stuff, you know, that the aftermath, the the end of their stories, and um, mm. it is sad and depressing, and I can't even believe Gypsy was written as a show, you know, um, it it's insane, um. Another like a uh, uh, key thing that Bernadette was in that I'm gonna point out. Um, she's my favorite in. It is the production of Oliver, the movie oh. of. Uh, no, not Oliver. It's Annie. 
it's that oh, other yeah, yeah. it's that other orphan name. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, Annie. And she plays, oh. I don't know what the character's name is, but she Lily plays. Lily St. Regis. Lily St. Regis. Yes. Oh my goodness. It's her and Tim Curry? Yeah, her, Tim Curry, and Carol, Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett. Yeah. That was that movie. I'm like, you know, don't touch Annie. Like, you're not going to make a better movie than that original. And, and had freaking Anne Ranking as, as uh, the girl, uh, Grace. Grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and she danced her you know fucking face off i i loved that movie when i was a kid and i mean i still kind of like it it's a little too cheesy in parts but i like all the adult stuff i agree i i don't watch the kid part anymore at all Oh, the kid part good grief it's you know they're they're very talented but it's too much i never actually saw did you see like the new movie (gasps) oh the one with uh kravajne wallace yes um i never saw that I was going to watch it just out of sheer curiosity. And then I listened to clips from the songs on YouTube and I went, I think I don't want to watch this. <laughs> like, it was bad. Uh, I, I remember, I remember so distinctly at the time when they were making that movie, they announced that Sandra Bullock was going to play Miss Hannigan. And I thought, Ooh, I'd watch that. And now I think I understand why she dropped out of the movie. Um, and then it was famously uh, Cameron Diaz instead yeah. of, and she, I love Cameron. I actually really like Cameron Diaz. I think she's underrated, but that was not her role. That was uh, not it. Uh, give me Carol Burnett any day or, Dor- or Dorothy Loudon from the original Broadway show. I love Dorothy Loudon as well. Oh. Her, Dorothy Loudon, um, she won my heart with her losing my mind in Follies. Oh. My God, yeah. I can still listen to that. Honestly, that recording of her doing that is easily in my like top five like Broadway songs. You know, oh. um, it breaks my heart every time, and she makes me feel that song. The morning ends. I think about you. I talk to friends. Think about you. And do they know it's like I'm losing my mind? Oh, it's so good. Well, yeah, and she does, does a really good rendition of, uh, it's a song called 50%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's also just, wow, she's brilliant. So who's your diva? Let's see. Oh, who would, who's my, you know, I'm going to pick a unusual one, but I think it's the truth. I think my diva is Sherry Renee Scott. Oh, interesting. Yes, she's an interesting choice because I dare say she's not going to be anybody else's diva. And (laughs) you know what? She she doesn't fit the idea of a diva. Her voice is not very big, belty. Um, You know, it's, it's a thinner voice. The reason she's my diva is because I respect that woman's work that drive um she makes it for herself you know that ghostlight records which produces you know over half of the broadway albums now oh, yeah. um that's her company you know what? that is her company that is what? her and her husband's I company 
I did not know yes. that. that so Sherry so Renee Scott is like the hardest working Broadway actress. The reason she got, you know, my favorite thing that she's done is Everyday Rapture, which was like oh, her oh, one okay. woman that's show. The only show that's the only show I like her in. Yeah, oh. I, I, yeah, yeah. Okay, like her and Lindsay Mendez and and uh, uh, Betsy Wolf. Uh, Betsy Wolf. Betsy Wolf. Oh, I remember them doing the um, uh, up the um, ladder to the roof. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, that's the oh, that's I, I did live for that. Shit, uh, that and she it, plays herself, right? It is an autobiographical show, and the reason that that show got to Broadway is because she did it herself. You know, oh, she did not wait great. around for anybody else. She just simply said, "I'm going to record these songs and I'm going to tell my story." And she had she had the resources to be able to do it all on her own, and for that alone. Uh, she's my diva because she is oh, that's actually, amazing. That's amazing. Wow, on top of on top that. of the fact that her her voice is not traditional, though the the way that she sings and you know who she is is not you know in fitting with like say like an Ethel Merman or something, but she has carved her niche and I I, I respect it so much. She's my all time favorite. I'm not going to lie. It took me a long time to like her voice. You know, I, I, I remember, you know, we all fell in love with last five years when it came out and for a long time, didn't understand why he picked her over Lauren Kennedy, which was the original person who was going to play Kathy. In fact, she played it. She played it in the premiere in, she played it in the premiere, but then that was it. Um, because oh, she, she wasn't, why. she wasn't available. She, I believe, oh. I believe she was still doing, at that time, it might have been spam a lot, or she was doing another show, and so she she had other obligations, and she couldn't go do the run of last five years. So she I know did. She's done it eventually. Yes, but she just did the premiere, and um, yeah, and and she's recorded songs with Jason, um, Jason Robert Brown, because you know they love to work together. He loves her voice. I love Lauren Kennedy. She's actually a huge one for me too. Uh, but she's actually, you know, stepped away from Broadway. She actually runs a theater that she started in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And, yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's going to. Yeah, I kind of know her mostly from just seeing her name over and over again at um, yeah NC NC Theater. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because she would just be in all the shows there. I'm like, who is this lady? And then I yeah. I fell in love with Lauren Kennedy's voice. She does a, she sings the song at last uh, with the Broadway boys. Um, If you just look, you know, at last Broadway boys, Lauren Kennedy, look that up on YouTube. Uh, She sings it and it's so good. Um, I also not going to lie, you know, as a young kid studying all those theater schools and stuff, I'm a CCM stan. Um, anyone who's gone to the conservatory, uh, the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music, um, it's like one of the most rigorous. They only accept, you know, max 20 people a year, you know, from wow. the world for the program. And so it is a very rigorous program when it comes to like vocals. And so I always just kept my eyes on anybody who ever went through that program. Uh, Lauren Kennedy being one, uh, Shauna Bean being another one. Oh, wow. um, you know, it just that that place produces powerhouse vocals. Um, oh, Shoshana Bean on um oh what uh oh ain't no way. Oh, 
wow, holy hell. That oh, yeah, that whistle tone. <laughs> right? I'm like, how dare you? How dare you be so good? My, uh, my roommate Emily and I, we've seen Shoshana Bean, I think, together like three times. We are lucky enough wow. to live in the Pacific Northwest. And she, she went to school in a town called Beaverton, Oregon. And that's only like two, three hours away from here. And she goes back once a year to do a benefit concert, you know, for the arts program at her alma mater. Yes, it is. And it's always really, really impressive. But um, so I've had the, I've had the luck and the opportunity to see Shoshana in a lot of different settings, doing a lot of different music. Um, She is one of my all time favorites. Oh, I also love, I had to break her up. I am also obsessed with Heather Headley. Mm-hmm. And specifically, she um, replaced Jennifer Hudson in The Color Purple. That was going to be one of the Tony performances I talked about. Wow. I mean, I thought, how dare you be that good and make Jennifer Hudson look so bad. <laughs> and yeah. it's Jennifer Hudson, who's very, very talented in her own right. But you just go, well, wow, there's, I mean, there's no competition in terms of this role. You hide your head under your wings Just like a little girl Well, she's such a, a consummate professional, you know? And even though Jennifer... I think Jennifer Hudson is one of the definitive voices of this generation when it comes to interpreting a song. Um oh, sure. I, I think she's brilliant in that aspect, but you know, this is Heather Headley's realm. This is what she does. Yeah. Broadway is her home. And so, uh, yes, the two don't compare. And I remember I have the um, dream girls at concert with her and Audra McDonald and <sighs> Lilius White. Oh, and she's my Lord. Dealer as well. She's, she's great. Which amongst those ladies right there standing out is amazing. Um, God, anything, God, how amazing that must have been to see because it all had freshly won Tonys in the like, you know, couple years before that. And you have Billy Porter as Thunder Early. Audrey McDonald, that is one. She, I can remember my first experience with Audrey McDonald. Um, she's what I think of when I think of a, a Broadway star or a diva. I remember I went to a performing arts high school in central Louisiana, and I remember being in sophomore year. You know, it's like 8 a.m. in the morning because we just got to school, and my first class of the day was theater. And I can remember going in, and our theater teacher, I guess, I don't know what mood he was in that day, but he, uh, I guess he just didn't want to teach because he was like, all right, sit down. We're going to watch stuff. And I remember he had a VHS, you know, uh, and he is like, on this VHS, I'm about to show you. And it was like a collection of, you know, lost Tony Award performances. Oh, okay. um, and he put it in. And before he started, he prefaced the whole thing with this first person you're going to see is how it's done. <laughs> this right here is what you have to do to win a Tony. <laughs> you know? oh, and um, it was Audrey McDonald singing Your Daddy's Son from Ragtime. Oh, my God. You know, and wow. that right there, being like 14 or 15 in that theater class, sitting there. And yeah. that's what our teacher says and puts in. 
And then we watched oh. the performance. I, it has never left me and it never will. You know, her, her, her ability to emote through her voice, especially in that song with such a, a dark topic. So let's, before we go to break, let's do um, one more each of our uh, divas we want to highlight before okay. going into Tony performances. Absolutely. You uh, go first. Do you want to go? I'll go first. Okay, I want to go, the last one I'm going to mention, obviously there are a million I could mention, but just to keep, so we don't talk for five hours. I know. Uh, one, Donna McKechnie from <sighs> mm-hmm. A Chorus Line famously won a Tony for playing, for playing Cassie. And what made me, lo- I already thought she was great. I had the album, thought she was wonderful. I'm obsessed with dancers because I'm not one. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I could learn choreo, but I'm not a dancer. And I just, I'm already so wowed by the physicality of her amazing dancing. But then I heard the story of she was having, I don't know if it was like bone issues, joint issues, some something that a doctor had basically told her, you might never walk again, but you're definitely never going to dance again. And you're going to have to, you know, get your life in a different place and she just refused to accept that and just worked her ass off Mm -hmm. and eventually went back to a chorus line and played cassie again like probably i think about 10 years after she had originally played it so she's already older than she was it was 10 years difference i think it was like eight years so almost 10 years my lord i didn't know that yeah and so you watch the video and you're just thinking it's so it's already so emotional just the song itself but then adding in the context of her literally fighting to be back on stage again so it's just it's so in tune with the character and just it's i had no idea uh about that context before that Mm -hmm. i am i'm gonna bring up um uh i'm gonna bring up someone who did broadway but they're not known for Broadway. Um, but she deserves her spotlight. And that would be, for me, Madeline Kahn. <gasps> yes. Because this woman was everything to me. She's taught me so much about comedy, uh, comedic timing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Madeline Kahn, I don't, I can't even remember exactly which. She's only been in two um, actual Broadway plays, I think. Yeah, she was in one with Bernadette Peters, actually. What was that? Do you know? They did they did a concert version of it's a Sondheim show. Oh, oh anyone can whistle. And oh. she was there's there's a recording of it. You should definitely get it. It's great. It's yeah, it's Bernadette Peters, Madeline Kahn, and Angela Lansbury plays the narrator. It's it's really great. I'm looking it up. The one other credit that she has uh, on Broadway is one that she won a Tony Award for, um, which was she played Dr. Gorgeous in the Sisters Rosenwig, which, you know, I'm not very well versed in her Broadway things, but um, Madeline Kahn's very well known for being in Mel Brooks movies. And if you haven't seen Young Frankenstein, if you haven't seen um, Blazing Saddles, Oh, or what's my, up, Doc? Oh my her God! Wow, yes. yeah, her and what's up, Doc? Her first movie, and she nearly steals the whole movie. Well, she, she has this. I don't know what it is. Like magic. She has absolute magic in her eyes and in her face. She is magnetic to watch. Um, and it takes a lot of talent to sing badly, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> especially because she's a trained opera performer. Um, Candide. 
Yeah, she can really sing, but uh, you know, to sing so badly uh, in like Young Frankenstein that I'm tired. Um, it's oh my god, it's everything. Love that. Well, we're gonna take a quick little break, yes. and when we get back, we're gonna dive into our favorite Tony performances. Yeah. Woo. All right, so we're back, and now we're going to go into our favorite Tony performances, and Aaron, I will let you go first. Um, okay, uh, since we mentioned it, I think it was the first one we mentioned, let's go ahead and get it out the way. Rose's turn, Gypsy Bernadette. I had a dream, I dreamed it for you. And she was sick. She was very, very sick that she night. She was sick? People, yeah. Oh, you don't know the story? No. Oh, oh, I'm so excited. I get to tell this. Okay. Yeah. So she was very, very ill. Like, she had missed the performance before the Tonys. What? I believe she had, yeah, I believe she had 102 fever. <gasps> she was very, very sick. And... And she was just like, well, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to, like, have to push through and do it. That's why if you listen to it, you can hear a lot of, like, uh, a lot of vocal fatigue. Yeah. But it just comes off like amazing acting. I don't even think about, oh, she must be sick. I just think, oh, wow. But I already think that's an amazing performance. But knowing how truly, truly sick she was. Wow. And that's all the performance she gave. I am obsessed with that. Yeah, that, I mean, that takes it to another level. Because, yes, I did always just attribute... You know, I guess a lot of it, I I have to go back and watch it now knowing that she was sick, but I have attributed some of those like quieter moments and stuff to, you know, um, internal acting. Uh, oh, yeah. My favorite part of it and the reason why I'm going to say that she's the definitive one on it is the part where um, it's the mama's talking loud, mama's doing fine. That yeah, yeah, yeah. That little sort of reflective introspective the spotlight even comes in on her you know moment um she is the only person that i've seen do that section and made me feel it yeah and understand that section of music well in the way she does the last like she's like mama's gotta let go it's like it's defeated and like heartbroken whereas i see a lot of other roses play it like mama's gotta let go it's more like Mm -hmm. that's more angry to fight i love the like defeatedness of it 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 made sense to me and i i believed it and in that moment you know uh, i cared for that character you know and i wanted everything to come up roses for her so uh, yeah for that reason bernadette gypsy for sure rose's turn yeah my the first one i remember uh because i i think i did start watching the tonys like uh around age mm, like 12 is when i started becoming sort of hyper aware of it Mm -hmm. and i remember watching it was the first tonys uh show i ever watched was the year of thoroughly modern millie Oh, yes. Foster, and I do forget about the boy. Ain't he the one who pulled the rug? He's lower than an alley cat, dirty rat, and I flatter. Forget about the boy, forget about the boy, forget about the boy. 
And I remember seeing Sutton Foster doing that number. And I just thought that is talent. Yeah. Just whole, and, and then knowing the whole backstory with she was the, un, like she was the swing and then she replaced a very famous star that allegedly, I don't know if it's a hundred percent true. I heard it was supposed to be Kristen Chenoweth. And then she left the show for whatever reason, and she was the replacement. Well, thank God. I'm going to just say that, you know, because... Well, see, you know, it's like an alternate universe thing, which I'm obsessed with. It's one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. I think, well, maybe it would have been great. It just would have been a completely different show. It, just, it would be such a... Like, I can't imagine what that would be, because I just love the version we have in our world. Yeah. But I, I guess she could have been great in another, you know, iteration of that. It just would have been much more... Well, I don't think that Kristen artistic. wouldn't have been great. It, it's not necessarily yeah. that. It's exactly what you just said. The, I just see Sutton's take on it. Oh. You know, the tall, leggy, very um, larger-than-life sort of way that she did it. You know, because well, when I got the soundtrack and the cover with her in that red flapper dress and she, all the fringe is flying all over the place, I'm just like, oh, fabulous. Oh, 100%. So what's, um, what's another one of your Tony performances? Oh, God. I mean, I remember Spring Awakening, the original cast. Totally sure. fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. But I also... I mean, it's like there's so many, but like one that I do think of, it's not even necessarily from a show, but it was the year of, oh God, let me try to get all the references right, but it was the year of like Billy Elliot, uh, West Side Story, The Revival, not the newest one, the one before that. It was the year of 9 to 5, and the, it was the year of Shrek, and it was just this mega opening number of just every single show, and there's a single moment that I, my gay brain was totally obsessed with. I've played it so many times, and it's when Rock of Ages was performing, mm-hmm. and, Brett, and Brett Michaels was on stage performing, and it's very clear at the end that he was the only person that didn't pay attention in the pre-rehearsal run-through of the number. <laughs> because you see, you the rest of the band, at one point in the song, all step to the back of the stage while this big drop is coming down. He is being a total ham on stage and keeps like waving and bowing and bowing. And he turns around and starts to book it up stage gets wiped out <laughs> by the thing. And right in that same moment when it we might be like, oh no, what about Brett Michaels? A stalker Channing comes out and she's just singing, I'm wild again. <laughs> again. Again. And wow. like all the gays are screaming for soccer Channing and no one gives a shit about Brett Michaels. And then Brett Michaels tells a story that I think is truly amazing that he, you know, he obviously like blacked out for a second. And when he came to Standing over him were characters from the Shrek musical and Liza Minnelli going, Honey, are you okay? <laughs> like, and I think that's amazing. <laughs> wow. Wow. And if you watch the number, you see him get wiped out and you see his cowboy hat on the floor of the stage during, well, it's a bizarre number. It's Soccer Channing singing Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, mm-hmm. mashed up with Aaron Tveit from Next to Normal singing I'm Alive. And she like what? kind of flirts. Yeah, she kind of flirts with them, and it's great. You should look it up. That you sounds, need to look it up. That sounds like a perfect amalgamation of, like, I can't stop watching. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, my God. I love that, like, 
the moment they might have worried about Brett Michaels, the gays were too busy queening out over Stocker Channing being on stage singing. So they were like, who fucking cares? <laughs> this is great. To piggyback on uh, that song real quick, though, you said the song Bewitched, mm-hmm. Bothered, and Bewildered. Um, yeah. My, I just have to say my favorite performance of that one is a diva that we have not mentioned, but uh, she passed last year and deserves all her credit to uh, Marin Maisie's performance of Bewitched, oh, Bothered, and Bewildered wow. is, mm-hmm. uh, to me, it's utter perfection. I I also just, I was a huge Marin Maisie fan. Um, her voice. Oh, her ragtime, just uh, truly amazing. It was so classic. Her her approach and her beauty. Um, yeah, I was always just obsessed with Marin Maisie. Uh, that I, was a sad. That was a sad loss. I was I was very upset by that. I know when Broadway all actually dimmed their lights. You know, it was surreal and uh, just what a loss. What a loss for the community. Yeah. It was it was the most upset I've been since when uh, Elaine Stritch passed away. I thought, oh no, she's yeah, same, same. Even though she lived a long, a long good life, Lord knows she kept performing until like literally the bitter end. Her her documentary is- about her life was literally filmed the year before she passed. You know, she was having it made. You know, yeah, she literally yeah. did work until the very end because that's what she wanted to do. Um, another Tony performance that I have would mm. definitely be, mm, I'm like, if I'm only going to say, mm. all right, I have to say anything goes, um, Sutton Foster's, Sutton Foster, Ooh, yeah. Sutton Foster's. Cause I also, cause I also could say the Patty Lapone one. No, listen, I think Patty technically sings the song better, but <laughs> the difference is Patty walks to the back of the stage, you know, for the four or five minute dance break. And Sutton Foster goes oh, down stage and takes center stage and does the whole damn thing. Yeah. Cause I remember Sutton Foster or not Sutton Foster, Patty Lapone. She only learns like, I think maybe 16 bars of a tap break. Like they're like, we'll have her do a little tap break and then she'll be done. Whereas Sutton Foster like, okay guys, now let's dance for eight minutes. And, and then I'm going to belt at the end of it. sounds perfect yes perfect i think the reason that i have to say that one though is not just because on the tonys it was you know phenomenal perfect i was lucky enough to um go to new york and i got to see sutton in that one i got to see sutton foster and joel gray joel gray was in it that too and he was so old at the time that he wasn't doing most of the shows you know like in the week it was like eight performances and he maybe did four of them and so I definitely have to say that Anything Goes Tony performance, one of my all-time favorites, because watching Sutton do all that dancing, and then when she, you know, hits that arms wide open stance to have those few moments to take her breath, you can oh. see on her face all the work that she puts in. You know what I mean? Oh my God, yeah. You can oh, she see it. works so hard, yeah. But oh, so the other Tony Award performance, it's kind of an obscure one, maybe to most people wouldn't think to mention it. But I remember when Tanya Pinkins was in Carolina Change. <gasps> yes. She did Lot's Wife. Some folks go to school at night, and some folks march for their 
thinking wow yep. that was really good way to pull that out of you know i know the annals of history that is such a good one i know it's kind of a a, a weird one Everyone's, if you, you say, know, but if you I, say tanya pinkins most people don't even know who she is well and that's what's so weird she was an actor where before carolina changed she wasn't even really working for many many years and she fought to get that part and it was it was a huge comeback for her mm-hmm I don't really know what she did since that show. I just I don't know what she's done after it necessarily either. I yeah. know that I know that um what most people are going to know her from she was uh on the soap All My Children. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what most people will know her from, but she is brilliant. Yeah, she's been in a couple of movies like I remember I think she was in that movie Enchanted in like a small part, like a very, she very was. small part. I remember going, that's Tanya Pinkins. And there was something else I cannot remember she, what it was. But, she was yeah. in a small movie, um, but a, a small movie. She was a small part in this movie uh, called Romance and Cigarettes. Um, oh, yeah, with uh, Kate Winslet. You know? Okay, yes, love yes. you. Oh, my God. I can't even <laughs> tell you how often I bring up the movie Romance and Cigarettes, and I just get stared at like I have made up a movie. And I'm like, it's, it's so get good. Culture. Yeah, get culture. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it's it's uh, Mary Louise Parker. Susan and Sarandon, James Gandolfini. And Mandy Moore. Uh, a little Mandy Moore. Yeah, Stephen Buscemi, uh, everyone. That movie is filled with everyone and is so, so good. If you haven't seen Romance and Cigarettes, go find it. Well, you know who else is in that movie? Uh, Elaine Stritch. Where? Oh! She, I can't remember what her character's name is, but she's in it. She's, I don't think she's in it a lot, but I remember her being in it. She's, his, I remember. She's, I think she's a, the dad's mom, which. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they yeah, go yeah, visit yeah. her in the hospital or something. Yep. Uh huh. And yeah, and, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Yep. Oh my god, uh, I need to watch that movie again. It's a bizarre movie. I haven't. I haven't watched it since high school. But I, cause I was watching anything that was a movie musical yes. basically when I was in high school. And so when that came out, like, oh my god, though that came out right when I graduated high school. The part that I keep remembering is uh. Because in the, even though it's a movie musical, it just has their voices dubbed over with the real artist, which I think yeah. is just awesome. Um, it's bizarre. Yeah. It is weird, but very artistic. Um, I remember, I always remember Susan Sarandon singing Take Another Little Piece of My Heart in, oh my in the church. Oh my gosh. I, just, I love that you know what that is, though. That's great. Same. And I, honest to God, I probably try to bring that movie up, you know. Every couple of months, just with like different groups of people, because I think it's so good and underrated. Oh my god! And nobody I ever knows. Nobody ever knows what I'm talking about. So, uh, so we're gonna take another little break, real quick, and when we get back. I have a game all set up to play with you. Yay! Okay, listeners, we are back, and I have prepared a special game for Aaron, but I'm actually worried that it might not be as interesting as I thought, because you might know all this trivia, but I guess we'll find out. You know, I think we're going to be surprised at the trivia I don't know. (laughs) 
we'll, 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 I hope I hope you don't actually because I don't get I mean, either way. I'll tell the listeners the trivia, yeah. but it's yeah. So it's a game I've called "Did They Reprise?" Broadway musicals are usually meant as standalone pieces that tell a narrative to its natural conclusion, but that doesn't mean that some producers haven't tried to make sequels to shows on the Great White Way. Aaron, I'm going to call out a musical, and you'll guess whether or not it came back for a second curtain call. Are you ready? Yes! Okay, let's play Did They Reprise? The first one, Hello, Dolly. Yes, there was a reprise. No. No? No? Well, it's it's a sequel. To keep it clear, it's a sequel, yeah. not a revival. Mm. No, there was no there was no sequel. Okay, okay, there we go. Second one, Bye Bye Birdie. Mm, yes, yes, they did. It was called Bring Back Birdie, which opened on Broadway <laughs> in March 1981 with original Rosie Cheetah Rivera leading the cast, <gasps> along with. Donald O'Connor, who played Cosmo in the movie version of Singing in the Rain, taking over for the role of Albert from Dick Van Dyke. Though Rivera received a Tony nomination for her performance, the production didn't fare very well and closed after just four performances. Four? Four. <laughs> All right, listen, I'm going to oh, say that that is, <laughs> it says it did not fare well. I'm sorry. If it closed after four performances, <laughs> I think it did a little worse than it didn't fare well. <laughs> I never understand what happens to them. What happens at those four performances that they said, you know what? Let's just cut our losses. Uh, Next one. Mm -hmm. The best little whorehouse in Texas. Mm, No. Yes. Really? Yes. I did not know this until I looked this up. Original director and choreographer Tommy Toon reunited with the whole Whorehouse original <laughs> team for the sequel in 1994 entitled The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas Goes Public. Oh. The, sequel, the sequel's plot had the IRS coaxing <gasps> former Madam Mona to come out of retirement to run a Las Vegas whorehouse that owed the government $26 million in back taxes. The Best Little Whorehouse Goes Public opened on Broadway in May 1994, but wasn't well-received. The production closed after two weeks. <laughs> that sounds like the most misguided kind of a sequel I have ever heard of. And you, I didn't know it existed. I had never heard of it. Well, I had I, never heard of it. I bet everyone tries to forget about it. <laughs> There's apparently a cast recording of it. That is crazy. You know... In there, though, you said uh, the whorehouse team, like reunited with the whorehouse team. I think I think that's just what I want, like, my team to be called from now on. This is my whorehouse team. <laughs> uh, last one, Annie. Um, no? Yes, and actually twice. Two Both sequels? Annie's- yeah. Get ready for this, because this is an insane story. Mm. Both Annie 2, Miss Hannigan's Revenge, and another show called Annie Warbucks. June of 1989, Annie 2, Miss Hannigan's Revenge, reunited the entire original Annie writing team, along with much of the original creative team and one of the original stars, Dorothy Loudon, who had won a Tony for her portrayal of Miss Hannigan, 
Annie, too, was to pick up six weeks after the events of Annie oh. with Miss Hannigan in prison and plotting revenge. Oh. A prison fire affords Hannigan a chance at escape, whereupon she decides to disguise herself and try and marry Daddy Warbuck, who has discovered that he must be married for his adoption of Annie to go through. Hannigan finds an Annie lookalike that she can switch for the real Annie, allowing her to become the quote-unquote Annie-approved wife candidate. Annie, too, had a pre-Broadway tryout in D.C. where script and score changes were made to fix a troubled production. The consensus seemed to be that Annie, too, had not nearly enough Annie in it, and it was announced that it closed before a Broadway run. Now, twist. (laughs) Rather than continue work on Annie, too, the creative team essentially started over with a new show called Annie Warbucks. The plot element of Daddy Warbucks needing to get married to keep Annie was retained, but the Miss Hannigan character was dropped entirely for a new villain, Child Welfare Commissioner Harriet Doyle. Oh, no! (laughs) And you want to know a little twist to this? yeah. I was once upon a time in a production of Annie Warbucks. (laughs) Because I was supposed to be, they were supposed to do Annie at this theater, and they lost the rights to it because a touring company had changed their schedule and was going to be in the area around the time of the show. And so, insanely, instead of dropping, you know, Annie altogether, they said, <laughs> let's do the sequel, and people can go see it in Raleigh, and then they can come see what happens next at our show. So we can directly compare... <laughs> The productions of Annie, and we're going to do the worst (laughs) version of the show. How'd that go? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It was bad. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Like, actually, I was embarrassed to have to go on stage and say the lines. It It was so bad. It was very, very bad. I did not know that either of those sequels existed. The plots of those two sequels insane absolutely insane how do how would those sound like a good musical i'm gonna touch back on you went in uh you said in annie to hannigan's revenge which that yeah. just sounds like a joke title that i would go see if i heard dorothy loudon was gonna be starring it, i'd be like well yeah i'll go see it i would too <laughs> you said she finds an annie lookalike and replaces yeah, the annie yeah. What happens to the normal Annie? I don't know. My notes do not do not reveal that to me. The show is problematic. <laughs> <laughs> I there's, think so. there's kidnapping. There's prison breaks. I don't know. A lot of deception. I'm really concerned about the kidnapping. You know, where'd she get the kid? And where did the other kid go? Who is this kid? Where is Annie while all this is... I assume it's like Annie's locked in some broom closet or something. And then she's like, girls, you have to come help me. And the, you know, the orphans help her free. You know, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I bet maybe, maybe Grace, remember Grace from the first one? Uh-huh. Maybe she wants to marry Daddy Warbucks. Mm. And so maybe she helps save Annie so she can go back and... That's nice. And marry... I don't know. I'm just making a plot, but that, I, that's what I imagine. Insane. I had no idea that there was not one yet two sequels. To I'm Annie. so happy that I was able to tell you about all of these. So unnecessary, those two sequels. Well, this has been a fun journey through Broadway Divas. I'm pretty sure we could have talked for another, uh, at least another two hours. Are there any last minute honorable mentions you'd like to shout out before we before we end? Um, other people that we haven't mentioned? Yes. Lindsay Mendez, Ines Espinosa, mm. Marla Mendel. I don't, yeah. 
if you're not familiar with any of those names, listeners, just go look them up, especially the Marla Mendel. You're going to want to look up her Colors of the Wind performance. The rainstorm and the river are my brothers. The heron and the otter are my friends. And we all connected to each other. In a circle, in a that never ends. You won't be disappointed. I guess for me, the only ones I did not mention uh, that I just remember, I was obsessed with Leah Salonga mm-hmm. from, from old school uh, Miss Saigon and of course being a Disney princess. Yep. And then probably, I oh my god, I was, I'm still kind of obsessed with Carrie Butler. Mm-hmm. Look up Carrie Butler. It's a hairspray reunion where they sing Without Love. <laughs> has it she's called the dorian gray of broadway <laughs> because she literally does not age on stage like when she was in catch me if you can she was playing a i think an 18 year old character and i believe she was 40 at the time wow and that's and no one batted an eye at it nobody was like that's kind of weird i think she was i think she was even tony nominated for it i could be wrong that's my that's me I, again, I could list if we just sat here and, and listed off later. I have one more. I have one more PS. Just throw in there. I'll please, uh, yeah. Uh, do the last one. Megan Hilty. <gasps> oh, that's oh oh. I just watched that Smash reunion concert. Oh yeah, I watched it too. The uh, the bombshell reunion. When you hear me sing you won't ask for opposition. Let's throw him in prohibition. God, yeah, because I her on Smash, I just thought, what a star, what a star. When I saw her get that role, I'd been a fan of Megan Hilty's for years. You know, uh, when she took over for Glinda in Wicked, um, I just she wasn't Kristen. She did it her way, and it was so full bodied, full voiced. Um, gorgeous soprano. Um, I've been obsessed with Megan Hilty ever since then. And so when she landed the role in Smash, I I let out the biggest gay scream you could have ever imagined. I was so happy. <laughs> I was like, the world will finally know. I just want to list one more because I yeah. just remembered her and I would love the listeners to find her if they don't know it. If the listeners are interested in Broadway and if you're interested in belting bitches. You've given a lot of homework you- today. <laughs> you know what they need the home yeah they do we have a lot of time in our hands but the last person there was a production of chess starring julia murney <gasps> uh, she's not great at everything i will give her that when she works she works and when she was working was in chess because she does this rendition of nobody's side She 
she when she nails it when she finds those roles that she can sink her acting into oh, yeah, julia murney is hard to beat when she's the right one for the role yeah. and honestly listeners go to youtube and look up fierce belting bitches yeah. and it's just a compilation of belting women it's everything it's the everything. the little like thumbnail that you'll see it's of judy garland just throwing her hand back that's how you know oh, you i love it one. i love that you know it yeah. i love that you know it oh yeah um, of course yes. i know uh when it, when you were talking about you had to go through your list of youtube stuff Yep, that fierce belting bitches. I know exactly the one. Bless, you're gonna be in my wedding. Oh my god! <laughs> Yay! Now, now the question is, like, what song do you need me to sing at the wedding? We'll we'll talk. We'll talk <laughs> off camera or off mic. Off yeah, mic. Yeah. So the last segment that I do after every episode is I ask the guests to tell me who was the last actress that made you feel something. It could be a funny performance, a dramatic performance, or just one that stayed with you for some reason. All right. I I do have one. I've been thinking about this one. Um, mm-hmm. The last actress that made me feel something was Rachel McAdams. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, there's a new movie on Netflix called Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. And this movie, it is about the Eurovision Song Contest, uh, which is a 60-year contest that's been going on. You know, includes more than 40 countries. Well, Will Ferrell got it in his head a long time ago, and he finally made a movie about it. So it has, like, Will Ferrell, uh, Dan Stevens, Demi Lovato plays a part in it, and Rachel McAdams is uh, Will Ferrell's opposite. She's the other lead. This is the first time we have seen Rachel McAdams in, like, a ensemble comedy in far too long, since Mean Girls. And this, uh, Rachel McAdams can make you feel anything she can make you feel laughter she can make you feel crying and the reason i'm putting her down on this list is because in this hilarious over-the-top campy movie she made me cry well it's funny will ferrell he was on one of my favorite podcasts lost culture yeah yeah and he was talking about it and he talked about how it was supposed to be this goofy stupid movie but then she was just so good that it added this whole emotional layer to it that wasn't even really intended to be in the film listening listening to that episode of las culturistas is what made me turn the movie on and you know what rachel mcadams is worth watching that movie alone for oh i mean she i mean i like will ferrell don't get me wrong but when he said and rachel mcadams is in it because okay so the last thing i remember loving her in as far as a comedy did you ever watch game night i have not seen that one yet Okay, so it looks like it might be stupid, but it's actually, I think, one of the best comedies of the past few years. Where do you watch it? And I watched it last on, like, HBO okay. or something. So maybe it's on HBO. I'm look that up. You might have to rent it. But she, I mean, the whole cast is hilarious, but it was a reminder that, oh, yeah, she's really funny. Like, she is a really funny actress when she's in a good comedy. Yeah. My actress, the last actress that made me feel something, it would probably be from rewatching Pose, MJ Rodriguez. Oh, yes. In just season two. Any episode, any episode, now, really. I am so happy we have come back to MJ Rodriguez because, okay, going to theater, MJ Rodriguez and George Salazar, they were in oh. the production in, I think it was in Pasadena Playhouse. They did Little Shop of Horrors. Unbelievable. And you can find that entire show on YouTube right now. 
I know, I just found it. I just found it. I love what she did with it. I never thought I could see anyone but Ellen Green playing that role, and she just... oh. And yeah, the chemistry between MJ Rodriguez and George Salazar on stage is... Is, is hard to beat. Um, oh. That's the that's the version of Little Shop of Horrors that I think needs to be on Broadway. Is I wish they one. would take that to Broadway. That's yeah. the one. That's the revival we deserve. Uh, like, I mean, I like Jonathan Groff and everything, but I was like, I don't need to watch. I don't need to see him do it again. I don't need to see him being successful again. In... Yeah, especially since he's been supporting Leah Michelle all this time. What does that say about him? <laughs> Just kidding. Very Just true. kidding. He seems, he seems lovely. Maybe she doesn't show that side to him. Maybe he sees the good sides of her. Yeah, very true. Very true. Uh, my uh. favorite thing that he's been doing um, is actually not theater related. Uh, that show Mind Hunter on Netflix. He's oh god, it. yeah, killer. That is uh, such a good absolutely. Thing. That's my favorite thing I've ever seen him in. I'm like so super happy for him that that is a role he has now. Well, and I've had an intense crush on him and his thighs for a very long time. I know. And I remember yeah. I went to go see Sunset Boulevard with Glenn Close, mm-hmm. and I was waiting at what I thought was the stage door. It was not the stage door. It was the orchestra exit door. And so I was like, oh, no, I'm at the wrong door. And suddenly I hear a man behind me say, excuse me, can I get past you? <gasps> and I turn around, and it's Jonathan Groff. Uh... His hand is on my shoulder. And I say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll move. He's like, oh, you're fine. And then he just moves right past the front of me and i i i oh i don't know <laughs> i love it i love my gay i i remember i texted my boyfriend at the time and i said if i find jonathan groff on grinder and he wants to hook up i'm gonna sleep with him and he, said, <laughs> and he said sweetie if jonathan groff wants to have sex with you i promise i won't say anything and that was a shady answer but <laughs> Well, Aaron, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, I feel like, are you my new best friend? Yeah, like, honest to God, like, let's go get drinks right now. (laughs) Right, right now, yeah. I hope you'll come back again in the future. Uh, I'm sure I can think of another another excuse to bring you on. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, this was this uh, has been an absolute blast. Um, this was you know popping my podcast cherry in terms of being on somebody else's show. I yeah, it had to happen. I'm no longer a virgin. Uh, this this was an absolutely fantastic experience. And um, if anybody wants to follow me, um, my Instagram and Twitter is a whole human. It's a w h o l e human. Or you can follow, rate, review, Eye to Eye Podcast. Um, You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or anywhere podcasts are available, really. The listeners, go follow him. And if you can follow the pod on Instagram, it's In Another World Pod. Or you can find us on Twitter at IAW Podcast. And if you will please go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review, that would be wonderful. Seriously, leave those reviews. Yeah. I mean, I know it sounds silly. You probably heard a million podcast hosts say that. But now that I have one, I get it. Like, it really does help. (laughs) Bye. Bye.